The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. At times it seems like when you work on your professional career, your personal life seems to fall behind. Then, when you work on improving your personal obligations, the professional part of your life begins to suffer. Is there any way to keep them both humming along at a successful pace? Welcome to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. We'll take the guesswork out of which part of you is more important and show you the success stories of others that can help you realize that you can manage it all. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Welcome to Master Your Life. I'm host Leah Mattinson, and today I'm joined, as usual, by my wonderful co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin. Good morning, Howard. How are you doing today? I am just great, thanks. How are you, Leah? I'm wonderful, thank you. And I just want to also take a minute to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today, where we'll be uh, talking about things, hopefully, that provide insight, inspiration, and intelligence um, today we're going to take some time uh, just to uh, have some dialogue between Howard and myself just to talk about some of the most important things that we've been focusing on here on Master Your Life, which is really the development of emotional mastery and moral intelligence along with controlling factors in our lifestyle that uh, will lead us towards lives that are happy and content. Uh, so, Howard, just wanted to uh, start out today with um, maybe if you had any really great story to share about emotional mastery. Um, well, I do believe that emotional mastery is um, the key to everything in life, really. I think it's key to success. I think it's the key to happiness. And unfortunately, we've kind of lost track of that, I believe. I think people believe that other things are really the key to that, and I don't believe that they are. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that we are actually having a, a chance to spend a whole show focusing on this really important issue. I, I, I really do. Yes, <clears throat> and I think we've had um, lots of time to banter back and forth, and I imagine other people as they sit in coffee shops or, or get together in groups talk about uh, the things that they see in uh, media and in our culture in North America that is um, shocking and disappointing often. Uh, and I remember certainly through the span of time over the last 30 years, uh, more and more often I find that what I see or what I hear uh, in media just catches me by total surprise because I think, wow, haven't we kind of got past the point of um, doing these things that are, are self-destructive? And it, and it seems actually almost the opposite, um, that that we've almost accelerated in going down the pathway of things that are um, not showing a lot of, uh, of emotional mastery. What do you think about that, Howard? Yeah, and I agree completely. And the way that I think about that is, mm-hmm. is think of a continuum from your lower power to a higher power, whatever that mm-hmm. is for you. And we know that 
really that spirituality, that higher power, is being able to not be led by emotion, certainly to listen to it, but to have emotional mastery, because emotions influence everything. As we mentioned when you interviewed me about, I think, therefore, I'm wrong, emotions absolutely a part of your thinking and your thought. They influence it enormously. So it's a sort of forced distinction between emotion and logic. And if you don't have control of your emotion, then you are going to be very narcissistic. You're going to be driven by your feelings. Your thinking is going to be very self-centered. And unfortunately, I do believe that we're going the wrong way down the evolutionary trail. I think we're heading back towards (laughs) the lower power rather than up towards the higher power um, for all sorts of reasons. But I do see that. Um, and, and, and maybe every generation as they, they get older, they look back and say, oh boy, yeah, things aren't like they used to be. And I don't think that's really what we're talking about here. We're talking about a completely different view of the world where there is this sort of rampant narcissism uh, where people are protecting their own narratives their own their own stories what they what they want to believe this this concept that perception is reality is total nonsense perception is your reality but it's not the reality <laughs> and then you have people who say well you've got to accept my reality now wait a minute where, why do i have to accept your reality and so this is this is part of the problem, and there's a number of things that contribute to it. Technology, um, the, the, a sort of confused concept of rights. You know, having rights doesn't mean you're right, uh, and what that really means. So I could go on and on and will mm-hmm. during the show, but I totally agree, and my view is, in many ways, we're heading the wrong way down the evolutionary trail. We're her- heading back towards lower power, not up towards higher power. Yes, and, and I think we've also, you know, going back into our own stories, have talked about times when our our uh, emotional mastery hasn't been a hundred percent bang on. So, just for like listeners, uh, you know, we we always position the show at the beginning of the show and say that our kind of focusing question that we want people to think about is, "Who am I?" Like right now in this moment, who am I? And then to think about who is it that I want to be, and and that. What our hope is, even for our own paths as well, is that we would take the opportunity every day just to become a little bit better. So when we're talking about kind of these higher ideas, um, that it's not about you know knocking out of the park and being absolutely perfect. It really is about trying to evolve towards the greater good. And that uh, I was just laughing when we uh, Howard and I had a little chat before we we came on the air here today. And he was giving an example of somebody who maybe didn't quite get <laughs> the the idea of uh, of what somebody somebody's rights are. So um, Howard is in Hilton Head, and uh, maybe Howard, you could just tell the story of, of some one of your friends had shared with you. Someone was on a bike path. <laughs> yes, yes, one of my uh, my neighbors actually, and one of the things that uh, this delightful couple do, they actually. Um, have a driving instruction company, so they teach um, kids how to drive. Um, and she was out doing this the other day, and she saw somebody driving on the bike path. 
there are a lot of bike paths that <laughs> snake through Hilton Head, and she looked up oh, and couldn't yeah. believe it. And it and it wasn't a little mini; it was a big SUV that was driving down the bike path, um, either out of confusion or uh, deciding that actually uh, their perception is reality, and their perception was it's okay to drive on a bike path if I want to. So um, you know, there's the, you know you see it all the time. Right. I um, think that's a great, I think that's just a great example of, well, I got up this morning and I decided I was going to be two. <laughs> well, that's right. No, I, I, I think that's right. And, and, and for me, you know, this whole issue of liberty and freedom is, look, you can do almost whatever you want within, you know, legal bounds in the privacy of your own home or whatever you want to do. But as soon as you start demanding that other people have to accept your reality, that's where it goes south. That's where it goes wrong. And frankly, that's where it gets dangerous. Mm. Because if any person can determine what their social mores are and what they have, the culture needs to be, if anyone thinks that they have the right to do that, then you've got total anarchy and chaos. So how do people that are um, just regular run of the, you know, run of the mill, getting up every day, you know, just participating in life and trying to make things better in their home or in their community, what would be some things that would be maybe considerations that they could do differently um, to get a different result? Well, I hate to say it, but uh, – well, no, actually, I don't hate to say it. Uh, the fact is that the things that probably we will come up with in terms of uh, goals and principles and reminders for people mm-hmm. have been known for eons and can be found in the Bible. Um, the first is uh, try to put yourself in somebody else's position. We don't do that very often. We're all so busy. Either we're not trained to do that or we don't feel we need to. But try, you know, fortunately, the human brain is capable of empathy, capable of trying to understand and putting yourself in somebody else's position. How often do we really do that? I'm not sure it's that common. Right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, right? You know, you go into a store and, you know, you want to return something because you didn't like it, you know, and you get mad with the shop assistant. It's not the shop assistant's fault. You know, try to put yourself in her position. Like, likewise, a shop assistant's mad because this person's returning something they don't seem to be very grateful. You know, put yourself as if they haven't done that themselves. I mean, a trivial example, but you can find it everywhere where if you had to stop and say, okay, before I start this interaction, let me really try to put myself in this other person's position. It might make a big difference to how people behave and react with each other. Yes. Yeah, I see a lot of people who are like very put out <laughs> by, by lots of things. Oh my gosh. Things. Oh it's my just, gosh. Yeah. Put out resentful. Um, and that I think comes back to, you know, your, your statement earlier about that we feel like we're entitled to something. And the, you know, the, the real truth is we're not, we're not entitled to anything. And that's a horrific sort of thought for most people as they go, what? Um, cause I was under the illusion I was entitled to a lot of things in my life. Like I figured I was entitled to kids that would listen to me. <laughs> and you find out really, you know, painfully <laughs> over and over again that that's a fantasy <laughs> and I mean it's yeah. what I really wanted to hold on to uh, and, but until I could figure out actually that I'm not entitled to anything from anybody else 
Right. Uh, really, that you can be controlled like a you know a marionette on all these strings, pulling you every different direction. But as as soon as I really kind of got that concept, I, the only thing I'm entitled to is to wake up in the morning and roll out of bed in whatever disposition I am in. Like that I am entitled to. So the smiles that I share with people, I'm completely entitled to that. I'm absolutely not entitled to one back. So I have to be. <laughs> right. right. It's like, right. Mm. Right. yes. Well, I, I also think this is part of, you know, you get the, you get treated how you deserve or, or you develop the relationships that you deserve because that interaction typically shapes how other people will treat you. So, um, you can't you can't take for granted that everyone's going to think you're wonderful. Um, you know, what? Daniel. <laughs> well, I know you're wonderful. And I think that but not everybody's. Gonna That's think outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> hard, I know, Leah. And if you want a session afterwards, to get over that. I'll be <laughs> you're such a sweetheart. Thank you. Took <laughs> <laughs> a couple hours. <laughs> But, but you know, um, Daniel Kahneman, uh, who is the psychologist, um, who's, who probably has done most to talk about, I think, therefore I'm wrong, you mm. know, says that, you know, we're so convinced we're right because we like ourselves. Uh, and that's the way the mind works. We justify what we want to justify. And, uh, you know, rationality's got little to do with it. And, and that's right. People are going around with their own very individual narcissistic lens and they don't even stop to realize that or consider other people. Um, and that's kind of scary to me. You know, I don't, nobody's perfect. And of course, you know, both of us um, obviously fall into this category. We're human beings. I think the F, I think the issue is, are we aware of that? Do we make steps to make sure that we are uh, mindful, we are grateful, we have gratitude, we do put ourselves in other people's positions, we don't take things for granted, we realize that our perceptions absolutely are not reality. Yes, and then we're open to considering what we could do to make things uh, better every day. And I, I guess that's the... it's. Uh, uh, I thought everybody thought like that, so it's always it's been a surprise to me that people don't think about well, how am I going to make like my day happier? Like that wouldn't be your first thought when you woke up in the morning that you would think, how am I going to make my day happier? And the like everything when you think that way, and that's your predominant thinking, which you can learn to do. You do think about um, how am I going to get a smile out of somebody else? How am I and and that is about uh, caring enough about somebody else to change the experience of their day, also. And it doesn't take much, does it? Actually, um, in a way, it takes a bit of effort. But, you know, if you reach out to somebody, if you really engage them with sincerity and respect, um, if you value them, how often does that happen in a day, really? Yeah, uh, I had that lesson really driven home to me with my uh, uh, my uh, stepdaughter, uh, Brittany, that she was just this little peanut when, when her dad and I got together and, and uh, she came out of her room. She was probably about 10 years old. She came out of her room in the morning, the first uh, first morning that we were all cohabitating. And, and she was just a little grumpy bear. And, and I said, wow, 
um, you know, maybe you just need to go back in your room and come back out when you're ready to be like my youngest two, who were, you know, total goofballs in the morning and everyone's laughing and having a good time. You know, breakfast time was lots of fun. And so she went back in her room and she came out about five minutes later and her disposition was completely like awesome, totally connected, having fun, having a good time. And then later in that day, she said to me, Mom, I never um, realized that it's like when people woke me up prior to being here, it would be like they would flip on my light and just kind of yell in the door, Time to get up. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. But that after I was in her life, she's, you know, she goes like, you open the jo- door, you say, good morning, time to rise and shine. She said it's like a completely different thing. And we never had a single morning in 11 years after that that she woke up and was crabby. Oh, that's, yeah, you know, that's great. And of course, yeah. uh, what we're talking about here is not just valuable for each of us, but it's mm-hmm. imperative that we teach our children these things. Yes, yeah. And that they experience it from us. Uh, yes, they, they see us doing it, and we show them how to do it, we model it, and we train them how to be like this. If You know, if you want to give your child the best thing you can give them, Give them the emotional mastery. Yes, and Give the ability them. to be playful and fun and to see that the adults in their life are playful and fun and loving uh, is really um, like helps kids to feel safe, helps them to feel secure, helps them to feel like they can express themselves joyfully in the world. Uh, and I often note now how, how uh, sullen a lot of kids look. And like they're not having a good time and, you know, playful, laughing, still into that 10, 11, 12-year-old sort of age range. And that's discouraging also. Yes, very, very discouraging and also a little too focused on, you know, technology because technology does allow you to connect with other people. But it certainly also allows you to be very isolated too in a sort of tech bubble where you can think that you're really relating to people, but you're really not. Right, yeah. And I think our, our former guests had have said, you know, kind of what, the disconnect that happens when technology is used in families. Also, um, just some really simple things when we think about how do we uh, focus on having a better life and more happiness is less technology or the technology controlled. So that means things like just putting the cell phone down when you're talking to your children. Um, another really brilliant coach said, when your family comes home for the first seven minutes, nobody complains and nobody has any phones or technology on them and that everybody commits to doing that for seven minutes every day as soon as they enter. And what a difference that, because uh, I went home immediately and tried it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. And so when we come back after the break, we can talk about this, uh, more practical things that you can do. Um, to go the right way up the evolutionary trail towards a higher power and not let your emotions and narcissistic perceptions control your life. We'll be back shortly. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place... 
Think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah, that's L-E-A-H-A, at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm co-host Dr. Howard Rankin, and along with my host, Leah Mattinson, today we're talking about mastering your life, and particularly emotional mastery, uh, the thing that both Leah and I believe is is critical for success and for happiness. Um, Before the break, we were talking about the importance of things like gratitude, spirituality, moving away from the narcissistic control of one's emotions. Um, And certainly, uh, Leah, we've had um, several guests on the show up to this point that have touched on some of these issues. So what stands out uh, for you about them, particularly in relation to this topic of emotional mastery? Yeah, we've had just some so many spectacular guests with so much wisdom, and uh, uh, the, there's very common themes, I think, Howard, from uh, my perspective, like the the uh, Shirazis. So uh, uh, they were talking about kind of this the cultural um, theme of that we we multitask a lot, and that there's um, it's almost an expectation that we multitask, and that actually all the research in the world now supports the fact that multitasking is actually very depleting. Um, nobody is really very good at it. We've told ourselves that we are, but we're actually less successful when we attempt to multitask. And they, in fact, talked about you know doing one or two things a day uh, and that that was enough, uh, <clears throat> which to me was that that's mind-blowing, one or two things a day. <laughs> I, like, yep. I, had to, I had to go home and rethink that. And mm. it was funny because that night I had gone to um, – I'd gone to a uh, event with my our youngest daughter, uh, who's 14, and some parents were having this chat behind our horse trailer, and they were talking about that neither one of them had had really you know any more than three or four hours of sleep for the last week or two um, because they were both so busy at work, but but the conversation was like a competition. And it was really odd. It was a mother and a father of these opposing families, different families. So, you know, you're watching this whole thing unfold, and it was like they were getting more and more animated about how um, heroic it was that neither one of them had gotten any sleep. So it would be the woman would say, oh, I got, I only got four hours. And the guy would say, well, I only got three. And then she'd go, well, you know, my four hours wasn't that great, though. <laughs> It was almost like they were patting themselves on this their the back for having you know these really stressful lives, and I thought as that played out, that was exactly what the Shirazis were talking about was this idea that you know we have that we don't really honor how much sleep we need to be functional. We 
uh, think that it's heroic to work a silly number of hours. Our lives are very much out of balance. And, and so there, that, um, gift from them was, was just putting into perspective that it's the, the little things that we can do every day, like paying attention to having eight hours of sleep and paying attention to just doing one or two things and slowing down, slowing down a little bit. Um, yeah, so th- that was a really, those were big lessons for me. How about for you, Howard? Who yeah, I th- yeah uh, the eyes. I think, you know, particularly when Aisha talked about slowing down and only doing a few things a day. And when she said only do two things a day instead of five, I don't think she meant, you know, have breakfast and lunch. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, think, I think she was meaning like two major things. Um, but, but, you know, but, but, you know, that, and, and I know them well, and they're absolutely brilliant and delight, delightful people. I'd not heard her say that yes. before, but that, but that struck home to me, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've spent my career um, being productive and doing lots of things and, you know, doing one thing after the other after the other. And if there was downtime, should I really be doing more? And, and that, so that actually did. Was, I thought very, very important because I try to put that into my life now, but it really hit home on a very important issue for me. And, um, you know, the other thing about that is it's not just the conscious choice. Mm. We've trained our brains to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there are different types of brain waves that account or co- correlate with different brain states. So delta waves are sleep, theta waves are light sleep or deep meditation, alpha waves are sort of relaxed uh, wakefulness, and beta waves are this very focused concentration. And, um, and as somebody who's practiced with this, you can actually see it um, print out. You can see that the higher beta you go, beta waves start about 13 cycles per second, you start getting up to 20, 24 cycles per second, now you're getting stress, you're getting obsessive compulsive disorder, um, you're getting that, you know, amazing level of anxiety, because mm-hmm. you know, you're in that processing beta mode. Well, a lot of us have trained our brains to be there, yeah. and it's very difficult to switch. Mm-hmm. And it's the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Howard, because I it could be just way out on a limb here. I think that technology, when we have all these things in our life that are binging and dinging and buzzing and popping and <laughs> like, that we're like the proverbial, you know, rat in the maze and that we get all this like stim, 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 <laughs> stimulation. And our brain is, it's not only the things that we do to ourselves, but it's all the stuff that surrounds us that's calling to that um, part of our brain that really is, I need another hit. I need yep. another hit. And you don't even realize um, how plugged in we all are to that stimulation uh, and looking for seeking stimulation that's unhealthy. That's right. So, you know, somebody might be working away at their desk and they say, I really need a break. I've been working on this report for two or three hours. I'm going to pick up my iPhone. I'm going to play solitaire. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not really relaxing. Your brain is still processing when you're mm-hmm. playing a game online. Or, so what you know, would be a better thing? What would be a better uh, thing? Well, it might be just let me just take a walk and not process, you know, not be in the active process. Let me just experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's where that whole meditation mindfulness comes in. Let me just experience. Let me not try and impose a framework on what's going on in my life. Let me just experience it. Let me calm down. Let me try to relax, getting from that beta processing state mm-hmm. into the alpha state where you're not, your brain isn't working 
you know, overtime to, to put things together and process it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we live in a world that, you know, obviously we're very much into the processing beta state all the time. And it's, it's not that easy. I know it reminds me of, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Barb uh, Morello that was talking about grounding. And so maybe in the theme of going out for the, the walk, you know, taking your shoes off and just actually uh, being grounded, connecting to the earth, you know, doing some um, gratitudes oh, or meditation. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that was Dr. Laurie, um, oh, Master Giannis, remember? That right. was definitely something she said. In fact, it was her tool, which you know, yeah. I thought was very interesting, wasn't it? That would be exactly the sort of thing. Go uh, you know, putting your feet on the ground, literally, um, outside, connecting with the energy of outside, and not trying to do mm-hmm. anything, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, to me, would be indeed recharging. I really like that. Yes, it was wonderful. And then... I th- think also that just the human being being a human being versus being a human doing yes that's right i know that's a big phrase of hers and that's exactly what we're talking about here Mm -hmm. because we've forgotten some of us uh how to be a human being um, because we're too busy being a human doing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so part of the trick i think also is figuring out how you have value when you're mm-hmm. not producing something <laughs> that, that's a tangible, uh, and that's a that's a huge um, you know elephant, a huge thing to to figure out for most people. I think that's right, and I think part of that is you know how we train our children and successive generations, and the message clearly is you need to work hard and be productive, and that's fine. Nobody's saying you shouldn't do that, but. That's been overvalued and over-exaggerated to the point where if you're not doing that 100% of the time, there's something wrong with you. Uh, and that's clearly the wrong message. Again, it's it's part of the binary brain. It, it's not either you're always processing a work or you're a waste of space. Clearly, it isn't that. You can do both. And in fact, I would argue it would be better as and, and more productive if you learned how to take proper downtime where you are not doing that and feeling okay about it. Mm-hmm. And the, I th- the other piece that we talked about before coming on air this morning was just about the um, how to have, um, how to be your best and this idea of being your best. What does that mean? And so for some of us, for me, when I was training all the time, my best meant that I could, you know, do, you know, 7,000 burpees in a training session (laughs) or whatever, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So we have all these best, what makes us best if we're, you know, have high academic achievement or if we, you know, know, produce something at work that's amazing. Uh, There's this whole other concept of best that really is about like developing that collective sort of love, the position that your spirit is in when you walk out in the world, mm-hmm. so caring for other people, um, loving other people, having self-respect and respecting other people. Yep. And so if we're just working hard to produce stuff, but that we're not operating from the center of ourselves, which is that best piece, we can kind of lose um, track of the fact that we're working really hard. We might be less connected to people than we have ever been. 
Well, I, I think that's true. I'm, I'm reminded as you're talking of uh, the movie The Karate Kid. Do you ever see that movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Mr. Mm-hmm. Mr. Miyagi, the spiritual uh, martial arts teacher, has there are many great lines in that movie. But mm-hmm. at one point, Daniel's son is talking about competing, and Miyagi sort of walks away with a very dismissive wave of his hand, and says, "Win, lose, no matter." As if it doesn't really matter whether you win or lose. What's more important is how you are and how you compete. And I think that's what we're talking about. People are so focused on the end result, so focused on the destination, they've lost sight of the journey. Yes. Yeah. And that actually gives me goosebumps because I think that it's, it is, that nails it on the head that it doesn't matter if you win or lose. It matters how you conduct yourself. And, Correct. Yes. And how you make yourself yourself feel at the end of the day. Like, do you actually, if you reflect, um, do you think, oh, I feel predominantly happy about myself and pleased with myself and pleased with the way that I treat myself and pleased with and satisfied with the way that I treat other people? If I ask the other people in my home or in my life, do I treat them well? Am I kind? Am I loving? Am I generous? What would their response be? You know, on a scale of zero to 10, zero being not generous, not loving, not caring, 10 being like you're you know, the most loving person we know and most generous and kind and thoughtful, like where do you actually, where would I rate on the scale? And so thinking about thinking about it from other people's perspective, again, is putting yourself in other people's shoes and going, well, you know, how am I, how am I actually doing on the things that matter? Right, and, and, and what matters is what impact you're having on people. I'm reminded of the show we did with Corey, Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about that and the impact on people and, and part of his motivation or a lot of it was that he felt that through his speaking and presentation he could actually impact people's lives and make a difference in them and and I think that's true and I, I remember I told that little anecdote about the, the woman who said oh you really helped me and I thought oh gosh I must have given some great advice and she <laughs> yes. said yeah when you took you told me to take the salad dressing with me um, but, but the point is in my life some of those high moments have been when people have said things like that to me. I want to thank you so much because you know this made a difference to me. Or I really appreciate it. Or it could be just having an interaction with somebody. Hey, letting them in line at the grocery store because they've got two items and you have 129, right? <laughs> and 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 that they look at you and they thank you. And you know that moment of interaction is. You know what? That's. You'd feel good about that. It doesn't have to be some sort of huge monumental difference you've made in people's lives. It's about how you treat them. And that can happen anywhere. And there's an opportunity almost every second of our day to have that impact. Yes. So when you think about it from that perspective, Howard, when was the last time that you had some of that interaction or feedback or... Well, actually, I was just at the store, and that's exactly. So that just happened. <laughs> so that, so that, I mean, I, I do that. I would do that frequently, you know. So that just happened. Um, uh, so that's why it was top of my mind. But yeah. you know, it's small things like that. It's about saying to people, "I respect you. I value you. I'm not more important than you." Um, hey, yes. you know. Uh, so. So I, I, I think that's I think that's a really important mindset, and it is those things that you do get satisfaction, not in a braggadocious boasting. Oh, aren't I a great guy because I let somebody in front of me? No, it's not that. It's not that at all. It's in the moment of that interaction, there's a connection with somebody, an appreciation between two people that makes it all worthwhile. 
Yes, absolutely. And it's free. That stuff is all free. So when people say, I can't, you know, fill in the blank here, I can't make anyone feel better. I can't afford to pay it forward at the coffee shop. You know, I can't afford to do, you know, things that are nice and connecting. The truth is that all of the things that are really connecting, a lot of them cost nothing. So we don't have any excuse when we wake up in the morning to be, you know, crabby and spiteful and resentful and, and all of those things when it's free to actually immediately decide that you're going to master that idea and go, why don't I just try today for the first five minutes to wake up and think something really awesome and positive like, wow, today is going to be a great day. I'm going to figure out how to make my husband's life better or my wife's life better or my children's life better before I walk out the door. And then I'm going to try it with the next person that I see. And it can be just very much as simple as a smile. And I I don't remember if it was on our shows um, or another client, but I do remember this story about um, a suicide, a person who was suicidal who decided to not commit suicide because they had had somebody smile at them in the morning. Absolutely. Uh, and, And I've heard stories like that too. Uh, people are desperate, and you don't know what state people are in. Um, and you don't know what that smile or that gesture of appreciation can mean to somebody. It really can mean a lot. So when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about some practical tools of how you can start heading the right way up the evolutionary trail, uh, master your life, develop moral intelligence, and frankly lead a happier and more successful life. So we'll see you after the break. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah, that's L-E-A-H-A, at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm co-host Dr. Howard Rankin, along with my host, Leah Mattinson. And today we've been talking about emotional mastery, the key, I believe, to a successful and happy life. We've been talking about some of the things that our guests have shared on how to achieve emotional mastery. In this section, we really want to look at practical things that you as listeners might be able to do to keep you or take you on the right way up the evolutionary trail towards a higher power rather than trapped in your lower power. And I should say, um, Leah, that the default setting of the human brain is really to be in the lower power. The default setting is to be controlled by the fight-flight syndrome, to be defensive, to fight for your survival, um, to look for threat. 
uh, and to stay in the lower power. So what we've been talking about is not easy to do. You have to make a serious effort to override, if you were, the default setting of the brain. And why why would I want to do that? <laughs> it's just it seems like it would be easier just to keep going <laughs> down the path of fight or flight. Well, here's, here's the deal. It's yes. easier right now. It's easier in the short term, right? It's easier in the short term yes. to avoid, to confront, to fight, to yell. To, you know, it's easier to do that. The problem is it'll kill you, oh, lit- yes. literally and metaphorically. It'll kill yes. you. I mean, yes. that, you know, that level of, of, of stress is really what we're talking about, that fight-flight, those, mm-hmm. those really uncomfortable emotions. And I say uncomfortable because I don't really think there's such thing as negative emotions. I think they're all signs and signals that we need to pay attention. But those uncomfortable, I mean, if you're somebody who rants and raves and, and goes around angry and uptight and frustrated, you know, you're going to have hypertension before you know it, and you're probably going to die of cardiovascular disease, you know, at a pretty young age. So it is going to kill you, not to mention seriously impact the quality of your life. You know, so yeah. if you want to be able to take advantage of the higher powers that human beings have, you want to take advantage of the higher spiritual powers that we could reach, that's, that's the payoff. The problem is you do have to uh, discard or manage the present so your future is better. And, and remembering, even if you can't do it for yourself, thinking about the other people that are impacted. Some people are more motivated by the impact that they have on other people. So if you're struggling with this right now, if you're kind of in, if, you, if you've been in that um, monkey mind, so to speak, of, of the fight or flight, and then you wake up in the morning feeling guilty that you have, you know, again, fallen off the wagon of trying to be a better you, <laughs> and then you get trapped in the, in the self-recrimination, but it, it allows you to stay stuck. So what, what we're hoping today will be a catalyst for you to kind of get back on the um, our listeners are all people who want to be empowered and their lives to be enriched. And so the the fact is we're all human, we struggle, we fail, and then the getting back up is is the piece. So this it requires um, energy and stamina, and, and the stamina is developed over time, I think, in a, just like muscle is. You, you develop stamina and energy by practicing something over and over and over again. Is that right, Howard? Yeah, and I, I think that uh, Dean and Aisha Shirzai were talking about, you know, the role of lifestyle factors in health generally and in brain health, and that's where those lifestyle factors come in. It's not that, you know, if you eat right, you're not going to get cardiovascular disease, or if you exercise right, um, you're going to offset, you know, diabetes or any other condition. It's that when you do those optimal behaviors and... um you know, the Sherzai's had their acronym NEURO, uh, which let me try to remember, nutrition, exercise, unwind, uh, which was relaxation, mindfulness, rest, sleep, and oh, optimization of mental abilities. When you do that, you have the energy. You are in an optimal state, which then allows you to manage the default setting of the brain, allows you to the energy so that you can indeed improve and rise above kind of these primitive emotions. Mm-hmm. So so st- just using their model as kind of the model um, 
of, of uh, activities that people can do. If we start with the N and look at nutrition, some of the simple things, uh, there's nutrition advice everywhere, everywhere that you turn. <laughs> the fact is that we're, as a continent, North America, I think we're fatter and more tired than we have ever been. Well, actually, so, yeah, I think the world is actually, not just uh, mm-hmm. North America, for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so with all that information, we still seem to be very um, confused or not wanting to take care of that nutrition piece. And until, I think nutrition, sleep, and exercise are almost like they, they all need to happen at the same time. Um, like you, you need to take care of that nutritional piece, which real, really simply from their perspective was getting rid of sugar. And it doesn't really... Part. Yeah, for the most part. So you can get more complicated and things mm-hmm. can yep, be yep. More, very complex. And, uh, we're, you know, for most people are not trying to achieve a physical goal of, you know, being an Olympian or any of those things. So f- just for simple, um, if you look at yourself in the mirror and go, you know, my energy isn't where I sh- where it should be. I've got a couple more pounds on than what I want. Uh, it's just going, uh, just try that very first thing. Simply get rid of sugar. And if you were to be, candidly, you know, ruthlessly honest with yourself and you opened up your pantry, you know, your cupboard doors and you looked at what you eat in the morning for breakfast, could you say, my, you know, I'm eating in a healthy way? And that's not for any, up to anybody else to judge. That's, we, we judge ourselves all the time because we're smart. <laughs> you know, we, we do know um, when we're, I, th- I think most people know when they're doing things that are good for them mm-hmm. and when they do things that are depleting. Yep, you know, so we look for all this expertise outside of ourselves when really, you know, if we really looked at what we already know, we know a lot. We're so smart. We're brilliant. Our listeners are brilliant. That's going, so what am I doing in, in the nutrition um, side of things that is either leading me to have more energy and more stamina and more strength or, or what are the things that I'm doing that are depleting those things? Um, absolutely, and you talked about minimizing sugar, um, which is sort of everywhere, and I do think that's very, very important, and, and really trying to replace processed foods with, with natural foods, I think, is the obvious thing to do, and all the research suggests that. So it's not rocket science, mm-hmm. uh, but it's hard to do. It is. Very tricky, <laughs> very tricky. But after you've done the nutrition thing for a few days and you get rid of sugar again, this is like uh, common knowledge. I would say now people are, are, we're all very bright and when we are very informed when we choose to be, that when you get rid of sugar out of your system for five to 10 days, all of a sudden your thinking clears, that your brain fog lifts and then you're able to make all this other really great choices because your brain function is better. Well, that, that, that's absolutely true. And again, I think there is a disconnect in people's minds between, um, you know, what they eat and how they function, really. I mean, people may say, oh boy, I had, you know, eight pieces of pizza and now I feel full and we're going to fall asleep. Yeah, that's obvious. But in general, I don't know that people really understand the impact of putting, you know, basically what a toxic materials in their body three times a day, which was what the Sherzais were talking about. And the thing about nutrition, it is three times a day, every day. Mm-hmm. And so that's why that is such a huge thing. You know, if you, if somebody said, well, I'm going to go sunbathe for 30 minutes, three times a day, I'm going to put myself out there in the rain three times a day, every day, you'd say, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Think of the toxic exposure. Well, that's what we do with food. Um, so it's the same thing. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we just have to, I think it's like, think about your monkey mind and going, taking that, uh, the, the, I think therefore I am wrong sort of pause <laughs> before you yes, eat correct. the next bagel or, uh, <laughs> or 10 <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> or a box of cookies or, or whatever it is. And, and just taking a moment to pause. Howard, is it, do you know if there's any, uh, like a sort of wait time where your brain will actually, if you can just wait it out? the urge will pass? Is there like a 20 mean, seconds or 20? Um, well, I, I think it varies, and I also think it depends on whether that food is still in front of you, okay, and, mm-hmm. and still available. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, that's what my PhD was on. I, I did uh, Part of it was an experiment um, with people who are alcohol dependent, putting alcohol in front of them and getting them to resist and measuring whether that got easier for them over time, which it did. Um, and it actually helped if they were able to visualize that process. So, you know, I think that um, if you say, oh, boy, I really want a whatever, uh, and you waited 30 seconds, if the thing was still in front of you, I think it would be a problem. If you're able to walk away and get involved in something else and get focused on something else, you know, that certainly could work. If you, um, at the same time, decided you're not going to have it and drank, you know, 16 fluid ounces of water, that would really help too hmm. because it would fill you up. Um, so there are things that you can do when you catch yourself say, I don't want to do this. And again, there is that, that problem between saying knowing what you want to do and then being able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, it, it can be done. So if you're planning success into your day, if you're planning kind of to um, have a successful time with your nutrition and your exercise and all these other little habits, the, the habits that – um, lead to happiness and longevity, not only for you, but for your, your children, your spouse, your community, the world. Those little habits, um, those little things can be planned. So I think we fail when we fail to plan. So and, and no, we, no sorry, go ahead, Howard. Yeah. No question about that. I think that, you know, one of the things that I have done in, in the past uh, is get my clients to actually at the beginning of the day visualize the day and see the challenges they're going to have. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to be in that meeting and they always serve, you know, cookies. Uh, I've got to meet so-and-so and they always want to go to the pub or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Think of those challenges and how am I going to deal with them and actually visualize, see myself effectively dealing with those. Mm-hmm. Put that template, uh, put that blueprint in your mind. Right? And visualization, I think, is powerful when it's used that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And resolve. Like, the, like resolve is one thing, of, like that building character around resolve, that you resolve that you're going to do some things differently. So for me, I, um, I do because I travel a ton, and we're always on the road. And I, uh, one thing I thought was everyone needs to eat like me. That was my first thought about <laughs> ten years ago, and that's they they don't, and they don't want to. <laughs> so, so it's easier for me to uh, cook a bunch of chicken breasts and to take uh, hard boiled eggs. Usually, like on a trip, that's what I'll take, and a baggie of cucumbers and and uh, or cauliflower and that kind of thing. And I know that sounds like so not sexy, right? Who wants to eat that? <laughs> <laughs> but the other truth is that I feel so much better when I don't indulge yep. in like the burger and fries that my kids seem to be able to eat and it, you know, they're, they're completely unaffected <laughs> at yep. this age and stage of things. Right. Uh, and it's not to say that I don't indulge once in a while in things because I absolutely do. And breaking bread together and, and those things is important. Um, but I don't for every single meal three times a day 
um, you know, ignore that I need to have some special nutrition in order to have optimal brain function. Right. And also don't forget to take the salad dressing with you. Yes. <laughs> I don't even have salad dressing. I've evolved. But, I've evolved. Yeah, no, but, but, but what you're talking about is planning. Yes. Okay? And yep. Planning, preparing, doing mm-hmm. it, making sure when you hit that moment, you're mm-hmm. prepared, you, you're focused, mentally prepared, and you're prepared in other ways. In other words, you've got some healthy food with you. Mm-hmm. And the emotional mastery piece, I think, was to get over resenting. I had to get to get through the fact that I felt like I was entitled to eat like everybody else. <laughs> I felt really wait, wait, resentful about it. It's like, no. Right. That's, well, that's, well, you can eat like everyone else if you want the consequences of that. But yeah. if you want to be directed and if you want to control your life, if you want to master your life, mm-hmm. then you have to work it out like you've done so, I mean, that's the, that's the key. And I think all of these things, really, it's about planning, preparation, deciding what you want to do, and particularly why you want to do it. Um, and one good reason may be, you know, in terms of eating junk food is that you really don't want to get dementia when you're, you know, 66 years old. Um, that why you're doing it and then planning to succeed. Yes, and I think that we're, again, it's like we have such an intelligence uh, as people, that we know what is good for us. We do. I think we know that that we know internally and we can just check in with ourselves and say, hey, uh, is this plan actually moving me towards uh, what is better in my life or good for me? And, and it's, again, I think what I learned through this, through my life has been, I really was striving for perfection a lot of the time. And the pendulum swung so far the other way of, you know, needing to be perfect with the nutrition and going and exercising eight days a week and da 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 that I that it needed to swing back. So I don't want I want listeners to understand that there is like the happy medium of being a human um uh being and, and that it things don't have to be extreme because I think that can be discouraging for people also. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's within everyone's ability to manage uh, their, I was going to say their demons, but manage their emotions, <laughs> master their life uh, in the ways that we've been talking about. And if you do some of these lifestyle things, you'll have more energy to do it. Mm-hmm. You'll probably be more motivated to do it. You'll be more focused in doing it. And it's up to every one of us to make that choice and make that decision. So what other practical things, Howard, um, make a difference in, in terms of day-to-day life? Well, I'd love to give you them. I've got a whole stack of them, but I think we're about out of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but I do think that preparation, visualization, the things that I, I've talked about, I think support is really important and accountability. Uh, you would know that as a life coach, right? How important accountability is and support in helping people achieve their goals. Yes, 100%. And it's putting things down on paper every day, which we have, again, encouraged people to do at the top of every show is, you know, get out a journal, write out your gratitudes, write down the things that you want to be different about the who I am now and who it is that I want to be. Correct. So I hope, listeners, you've got uh, been inspired and motivated and, and also got some practical tips about how you can really master your life and specifically focusing on emotional mastery which comes when you may have the energy and the drive to make the effort to rise above the default setting of the brain and move the right way down the evolutionary trail. 
Thanks for listening. I'm co-host Dr. Howard Rankin, and from my host, Leah Mattinson, we'll say we'll see you next time. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go enjoy your successful life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.